Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? You are listening to S. P.N. The Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey guys, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. Mark Daly here on a lovely, cool and sunny November 7th here in Vancouver, Canada. Happy Diwali to those of you who are celebrating the Festival of Lights. And for those of you who aren't celebrating a special occasion, I welcome you aboard as well. And it's almost weekend, so that means that there's a Grand Prix to look forward to and that's something to celebrate as well. Yeah, two more races. Hard to believe, isn't it? I I can't believe how quickly the season went, but I think I say that each and every year. And first of all, before we get into the the topics and the the news I want to talk about this week, just a big shout out and a big thank you to all of our listeners. The show has been uh, growing quite a bit uh, this year, and we had our best month uh, ever in uh, October, which finished last week, of course. And previously before that, September smashed all the records, so... Well, Kevin and I, we appreciate each and every one of you that take the time to download and listen to the show each and every week. Well, let's get into the news, the latest news from Formula One, and we start with a new addition to the 2020 Formula One World Championship and the long-awaited announcement that uh, Vietnam will be hosting a Grand Prix for the very first time in April 2020 uh, on a brand new track just outside the capital of Hanoi. The 5.565-kilometer circuit is, well, it's pretty close to, to the city. It's only 12 kilometers west near the Mai Din National Stadium. It's a it's a street circuit with a purpose-built sections, which is actually kind of cool. If you check it out, uh, it's it's Herman Tilke, again, who's to decide, uh, designed this track. And what a pretty good gig. I mean, it seems every new track that has come out over the past, what, two decades, <laughs> it seems anyways, have been uh, designed by Her- Herman Tilke. Um, but he's taken a lot of inspiration from different tracks, including uh, Monaco, the Nürburgring, Malaysia. So it should be pretty cool. And even the famous S's from Suzuka. And it's an interesting looking track. If you look at it, it's almost got kind of like a star shape and uh, features some very long sections and some some uh, areas of heavy braking. And it promises to be quite an interesting and uh, potentially some exciting racing going on there. But of course, we'll have to wait and see exactly what happens once the, the, the cars and 
actually get on there and we see what uh, what what really happens. But they described it's a described by Formula One as a quote unquote unique hybrid layout with a real desire to steer away from the humdrum 90 degree road junction type corners and foster a layout that facilitates wheel to wheel racing while retaining a closed in street field that makes the city race tracks so demanding for drivers. So it really sounds that um, this new track will really be a treat for the spectators and also will really push the drivers to their limits. And um, it does have a, a 1.5 long a, a kilometer long straight, which uh, they expect to see the cars top out at about a 335 kilometers per hour before they go into a very, very heavy braking zone. So should be uh, exciting to see. And it kind of leads into the next uh, item of news that goes uh, comes along sort of on the heels of that where Formula One has sent a warning to some of its uh, historic circuits on the heels of the news that they're they're going to Vietnam in 2020. And uh, F1's commercial boss, Sean Bratches, uh, said that, or at least um, has hinted quite strongly to uh, circuits like Monza, Hockenheim, Silverstone, Barcelona, and uh, Mexico City, who all have their contracts uh, um, expire at the end of 2019, that the future of Formula One does not hinge on some of these traditional circuits uh, being part of them. Uh, Hockenheim and, uh, and Mo- or sorry, Hockenheim and Silverstone and probably Monza too. They've been uh, making uh, quite some noise over the past several years that they want to renegotiate their deals and that uh, just that the, the, the cost of hosting a Grand Prix and uh, the, the fees that, uh, that are involved are just uh, almost cost prohibitive for them uh, to do so. And of course, the race fees it's a big part of uh, the uh, the income for Formula One and the sports owners, of course, who is uh, Liberty Me- uh, Media. And Liberty says, said that they would really like to expand the the, uh, the calendar up to 25 races. What are we at this year? I think it's 21 again, right? So that would mean another four races, which I think for all of us that uh, that that love Formula One and, and watch it each and every time there's a, a Grand Prix and talk about it, read about it, and get involved in other ways when there isn't a race on, we would certainly welcome that. But <laughs> that's a major logistical undertaking. When you think about it, it's 20 race weekends. That's almost half the year. Obviously, 26 races would be a bang on uh, six months out of the year. And that is a very big, big, big challenge for the, the teams, the drivers, and the whole logistical parts of, uh, of Formula One. And there has been a, a little bit of pushback. Obviously, one of the plans that they had to have a Grand Prix in Miami has been uh, put on indefinite hold. It, it really seemed like that was going to get done really quickly uh, earlier this year, and it seemed like it was all set to be announced and 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 get on the calendar really quickly. And, uh, well, they, they've had their issues there. Let's uh, just put it that way. And uh, the, the Miami Street race uh, is uh, basically on hold. It's been put on uh, uh, ice indefinitely. And uh, also the, the other pushback is that uh, the majority of uh, Formula One teams are, they're against uh, going beyond uh, 21 races. Like I say, that would have to be a, a major undertaking. I mean, just trying to go out with uh, <laughs> my, my family on the weekend, that's tough enough. I couldn't imagine trying to organize and run the logistics of a Formula One team having to travel and crisscross the globe 25 weekends out of the entire year. A, a very, very big undertaking. So we'll wait and see if uh, that actually comes to pass. And well, I certainly wouldn't, uh, would not say no if they want to expand it uh, a little bit further. 
All right. Well, let's talk a little bit more about some of the the news affecting some of the teams and the drivers. And the first one is kind of interesting. Uh, this is uh, comes from uh, Force India and team principal Otmar Safnauer, who said that he believes that uh, Sauber, not his team, of course, but uh, Sauber is out developing even Formula One's top teams. And well, I think Kevin and I were uh, speaking about uh, the performance of uh, and the improvement of Sauber over the course of this year. After they really looked like they were on life support for a couple of years. And of course, last year, having a, designed a car for the new 2017 regulations, but having an underpowered and not the, the, the best power unit in the Ferrari engine, which was 2016 spec, really had them at a big disadvantage. But all credit to them. They've really designed a good car. Obviously, uh, they've got a very good driver in in uh, Charles Leclerc. And of course, Charles is in his final two races for, uh, for, for Sauber before he goes to team up with Sebastian Vettel at Ferrari next year. But they really have gone from the bottom and, and barely hanging on to really becoming a, a very, very solid midfield team in Formula One. And uh, well, I mean, Charles Leclerc, I think, has really gotten a lot of that car, a lot more than his team, soon to be ex-teammate uh, Marcus Ericsson, of course, well, he would have been an ex-teammate anyways at the end of the year since he's going to Ferrari, but uh, of course, Marcus Ericsson is uh, out of Formula One next year and has uh, secured an Indy drive uh, instead, um, but uh, it, it's true, they, they've uh, really become a, a real solid uh, team in the midfield, uh, no problems getting out of Q3 most of the times, and uh, most of the time challenging and being very competitive in Q2 and qualifying, and then all so uh, we've seen them quite quite often in Q3 as well, and we, we've seen quite a few good races from uh, Charles Leclerc, and even Ericsson's uh, had his moments uh, now and again. Not as many as Charles, but still, it makes you kind of wonder what uh, Kimi Raikkonen's going to do. He's going to be there for 2019 and 2020, and then Antonio Giovinazzi. The, uh, the the Ferrari driver is going to, to team up with Kimi there for two years. And if they continue up on this upward trend, then who knows? Maybe the, the midfield is something that they can improve upon. And uh, maybe what was looking like a bit of a questionable move at the time when uh, when Kimi decided to to move there. I, I mean, we don't really know all the uh, the inside things and things that happened behind the scenes. It always seemed, well, I wouldn't say it would always seem like Kimi was going to be out at Ferrari, especially, I think, in the latter half of the season, he's really enjoyed a kind of renaissance as a, as a driver. And, and we've talked about it quite often over the years on this program about how Kimmy isn't hasn't been just quite as quick enough as Sebastian just hasn't been quite there um, uh, as many times when needed to play that supporting team uh, mate uh, role and uh, and doing all those things. So uh, of course that's made it kind of difficult at times when uh, Vettel has been uh, under um, attack by the two Mercedes drivers, but also. I think that uh, Kimmy just hasn't been able to push Sebastian Vettel in terms of performance and, and challenge him uh, that uh, perhaps maybe we might see Charles Leclerc next year. But anyways, uh, that uh, all being said, Kimmy's kind of hung on and, and quite respectably so it for, for Ferrari. I mean, he's been productive. I don't want to make that suggestion that he's sort of been going through the motions or he's been phoning it in or he just hasn't been able to get the job done. He's done a good job. It could have been a, a little bit better at, at, at times. 
but uh, definitely I think that uh, he will be confident just by all the progress that, uh, that that Sauber's made. And if they can continue on this upward uh, trend, then of course they'll never be uh, on par with Ferrari or Mercedes, of course, at least not, not in the short term or medium term, or perhaps the, 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 the very near long term but anyways he must be encouraged to see the the, the performance and uh what they've done uh, over the course of uh you know what's been a very short time and uh, t- since 2017 so it should be uh, interesting to watch and uh, especially see him team up uh, with uh, Giovinazzi and uh, on a related note Marcus uh, Ericsson who I'd, of course is uh, off to IndyCar is uh, lamenting the the fact that um that now he's out of a drive in formula 1 the end of the year that it really does hurt hurt and those are basically the exact word that he used uh, that uh, he's leaving Sauber because the timing on his uh or in uh, in his opinion is very unfortunate and you you can understand that i mean he's he's been there for a couple of years now and uh, the the car's been getting better and better each and every weekend uh, this year and uh, just when it looks like they're sort of poised to keep building on uh, the success that they've had he's out of a drive here and he's off to uh, race over in the states but hey you know what that's uh, that's racing that's pro sports and uh, I'm sure he'll do just fine, but sure, of course, it's going to sting in the uh, in in the short term, and of course, uh, well, we'll we'll see what happens uh, with the new guys. And now talking about another big team, obviously one of the biggest teams, and that uh, of course is uh, Mercedes and Total Wolf, the team principal there, said that he believes that uh, Lewis Hamilton was better in and out of the car in 2018. And well, you know, it, it's really hard to argue with Toto on that uh, that sentiment because th- there were times over the last uh, couple of years, <clears throat> excuse me, that there there were questions about uh, Lewis's focus when, when uh, not on... Um, when, when it was not uh, required for racing and sort of in between race weekends and things like that. And just sort of the, the, the questions about what he was doing with his personal life. Was it becoming too much of a, a distraction? But I mean, he's, he's won how many uh, world championships in a row now? He's won three out of the last four. He's won his uh, fifth world championship now. And well, if they can give him another competitive car next year, and there's no suggestion or any reason to believe that uh, Mercedes won't design and build a- another fantastically competitive car for 2019, that that Lewis won't be able to deliver and uh, and get the job done again. It's uh, of course we have to wait and see what's going to happen with all the other teams, but he is, I, I think, one of the. And this is, of course, a huge understatement. I mean, a five-time world champion. He is one of the greatest drivers of all time and obviously the very best driver of this uh, current generation. And it is impressive to watch that. uh, And sometimes it is a little bit frustrating, too, when... And as a guy, like I've said before, you know, I was a fan of Michael Schumacher, so I guess I shouldn't really be too critical of Lewis of making it sort of boring or anything like that. But I mean, he makes it interesting and makes it exciting in other ways. But it is impressive just to see how quick he is over the course of the lap and, and how when he really needs to get the job down, done, he really puts the hammer down, how how quick he is and how flawless and just how almost machine-like and robotic he is when when it comes to driving. It's very, very, very impressive. And uh, of course, it's not just uh, what he's doing in the car. Well, well, obviously it is impressive what he's doing in the car, but I guess also what he's doing, what's going on in his head, uh, not just during the course of a race, but over the course of the season. And uh, this year being the prime example, and I think uh, Nico Rosberg even said a, a couple 
couple of weeks ago, just uh, talking about the whole situation with uh, Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel and uh, basically said, well, you don't want Lewis to get inside of your head because once he gets that mental edge on you, you know, you're, you're done. <laughs> you're, you're not going to, you're going to have a very, very uh, hard time competing with Lewis Hamilton, trying to match his speed and his lap times, and also trying to beat him at, uh, at the mental game. And, uh, well, it, uh, it was that consistency that, uh, that Lewis had over the entire year compared to Sebastian Vettel. And we, we don't need to go back and revisit uh, each and every one of those uh, situations uh, and, and incidents this year that we've seen in, in multiple Grand Prix. And, uh, well, obviously, um, and at, at the risk of repeating myself, which I've been known to do over the course of uh, time, but hey, I'm, I'm hosting the show solo this year. So I'm, or sorry, this, uh, this week, and I'm trying to, pull out as much content and as much discussion as I can. So maybe I will repeat myself, but the, the, the whole fact of the matter is that uh, if Sebastian Vettel had just gotten a couple more of these things right, than he got wrong, perhaps maybe the, the, the championship swings uh, another way and uh, he wins his fifth world championship uh, compared to, to Lewis Hamilton. But Hey, there's always a uh, next year. But talking about multiple world champions, uh, four-time world champion Alain Prost said that uh, he believes Lewis Hamilton might need different motivation for 2019. And uh, this I thought was kind of interesting because he's talking about uh, the the fact that Lewis is now equal with Juan Manuel Fangio, also a five-time world er, champion. So what's left for Lewis now? And there's only really one uh, benchmark one milestone left and that's to equal and better all the records that were set uh, by by Michael Schumacher and of course uh, he needs two more world championships to to equal Schumacher he would need three to to come out on top with uh, with eight and I mean Lewis is young enough I mean he's still good enough and uh, the, the question is that and and I was interested or I was interested when he re-signed with uh, Mercedes this uh, this summer for two more seasons and I thought well I had this feeling at the time that 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 was Lewis's last Formula One contract but I'm not so sure now <laughs> considering just watching him and, and he seems to be enjoying himself uh, he seems happy i mean obviously when you're winning you're winning world champion you've got a world championship you've got a lot to to feel good about and a lot to be positive about but he seems like he's enjoying himself and i, I really uh, sort of revisited and uh, thought over that uh, that opinion that i formed uh, three or four months ago and uh, I'm I'm not sure now. I, I don't think that Lewis is done in Formula One in, in a couple of years. I think the big question is not so much uh, the, the fact that Mercedes wouldn't take him back. And of course, why wouldn't they? Or perhaps he have uh, some desires uh, to, to move somewhere else. But I think what, what, what really depends on whether or not we see Lewis sign another uh, Formula One contract for 2021 is just what really comes out in the next set, set of regulations for that uh, for that time period. And I think that uh, that will really determine whether or not he decides to come back for another year or two, or if he decides, well, you know what, guys, I've done everything I've wanted to. I've accomplished more than I ever thought I would in my entire life, and it's time to, to hang it up and go on to, uh, to, to bigger and better things. <clears throat> Oh, excuse me. I apologize. I, I've been fighting a cold the last couple of days, and uh, I, I thought that my voice was all good, but a little bit hoarse, but I'll try and persevere a, a little bit longer. But 
It is true. So uh, right now, Lewis Hamilton is kind of in that that in between spot. He's got the five world championships. He needs two more to, uh, to to beat Michael Schumacher. So where's that motivation going to come from? And uh, that kind of goes back to what, what Toto Wolf was saying a, a little bit earlier uh, about uh, he was better in and out of the car this year in 2018, and perhaps that was some of the criticisms that uh, the people did have of of, uh, of Lewis in the past uh, couple of years. But if he's uh, focused and motivated, then and that gap to Schumacher and his records might close a lot quicker than we uh, we, we might uh, anticipate. But now talking about his biggest rival, Sebastian Vettel. And Vettel said, and this is quite an interesting comment, and he said that uh, Ferrari never had a dominant car in 2018. And I thought this was a, an interesting comment uh, for a couple of reasons, because... I don't think anybody, at least not us, had been saying, and not that Sebastian listens to us anyways, <laughs> but uh, he, he said that uh, although Ferrari did have um, parts of the uh, the year where they were quicker than uh, Mercedes, he said that, um, and he was quite adamant about this, that he didn't believe that um, Ferrari did not have a, a big competitive advantage compared to uh, Mercedes. And though the, at least the way that I see it, I thought that they started the year better and then Mercedes caught up. And it's kind of been back and forth until I think maybe after Monza, I, I think after the summer break, I think up until about Monza, you know, th- they were fairly e- even. And then Mercedes was able to just really find a big advantage there. And then uh, Lewis uh, won the races and got all the points that he needed to. Sebastian dropped more points than he needed to. And I think that both cars have been very good uh, this year, but at different times. And obviously, I think that when you use a word like dominant, I'm not really thinking to any particular car this year. I'm thinking maybe more pre-2017 Mercedes because... Obviously, they've won the past several constructors' championships and a whole bunch of drivers' championships as well. And last year, it wasn't all their way. Ferrari had uh, designed a, a good car last year in the SF70H, won a bunch of races and, and challenged uh, Lewis for a good part of the year uh, for, for the world championship. And, uh, of course, that uh, came to a premature halt uh, as well for Vettel last year. But the thing is, uh, before 26, sorry, 2017, for, uh, Mercedes were very, very dominant. If you weren't in a Mercedes, if you weren't Nico Rosberg, if you weren't Lewis Hamilton, you weren't going to win the world championship. It was just as, as simple as that. I mean, the car was just that good. And you put it in the hands of uh, two very good drivers, one of whom is uh, Lewis Hamilton. Of course, <laughs> those those race wins, those one-twos, and those uh, those championships are just going to, uh, they're going to just happen almost automatically. I mean, that's really oversimplifying it, of course. And that's, uh, that dominant era for them in, in Formula One has kind of, Obviously, it hasn't completely gone away, but I mean, it, it's lessened. It, it hasn't been quite as easy. Ferrari's been able to push them over the past uh, year and a half, almost two years. This year, obviously, a lot more than last year, but um, Ferrari themselves haven't been dominant. Uh, I, I mean, this season has been very much up and down. There have been some tracks that have been very uh, are well suited to the Ferrari. Some have been very well suited to Mercedes. And occasionally we've seen, like we did uh, last weekend in, in Mexico in the high altitude, 
that it was uh, very well suited to to Red Bull. And of course, uh, Ricardo and Max Verstappen have also won uh, a handful of races uh, this year. So to, to suggest that, uh, to throw that word out there, dominant for any car, I don't think is really a, a applicable in, in 2018. And of course, uh, Sebastian is going to want to, to try and make up ground. So he's going to need a car that's uh, that's at least as good as the, the, the Mercedes or better next year. And of course, that's a, that's a huge order. But uh, of course, uh, both Ferrari and Mercedes have uh, very talented and uh, very well-funded uh, teams behind them. And it's just a question of uh, who gets it right. Who's the one that can design the better car or uh, find those little performance gains here and there that make up fractions of a second in in, in corners here or there or down the straightaways and uh, that lead to, to quicker lap times and ultimately make the car a lot faster. So uh, Vettel, uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was an interesting interesting comment uh, from, from Seb. And there's lots of news about uh, Ferrari in uh, in Formula One this week, and, uh, and the the other one that uh, came out uh, from from Vettel's lips was uh, he said that uh, Charles Leclerc and he must work together in 2019, and that kind of goes back to what I was talking about uh, just a, a few minutes ago about uh, Kimi Raikkonen, and I think that um, Leclerc being young and uh, and quick, maybe he's got that little bit of an edge on, on Kimi. Maybe once he settles in, he'll be able to push Vettel and and uh, make him realize that uh, that he's not the only one in the team and uh, that he's fast he's there to win races as well but that's what they've really uh, lacked I thought over the past uh, couple of years is just that one-two punch and especially I think uh, this year um, at Mercedes Obviously, uh, Botas has he's had his fair share of uh, bad luck. I mean, go all the way back to uh, Baku earlier this year when he picks up the puncture when he ran over some debris when he's leading the race, and it's kind of been one of those years for him where he he's done very well at times, but he just hasn't had the luck to get some of those race uh, wins that he's probably really wanted to get under his belt, and has ended uh, ended up more in a supporting role uh, to to Lewis Hamilton. And of course, comments like uh, Total Wolf saying that he's the the ideal wingman intended or not. Not, uh, has to be a little bit, I wouldn't say hurtful, but it must sting a, a little bit for, for Bodas. But the point is, is that you need that one-two punch uh, in Formula One. You need your teammate to, to, to help you out and uh, you need to help each other. And of course, uh, the perfect example of that was uh, how Botas was able to really hold up both a, a much quicker uh, Sebastian Vettel and Kimi Raikkonen at the Hungarian Grand Prix. And uh, although he did um, eventually get passed by by uh, by both of them and then Danny Ricciardo in the latter stages of the race, it didn't really matter by that point because Ferrari had given Sebastian a very poor pit stop. He came out just behind uh, Botas when he re-entered the, the, the racetrack and uh, he was just not able to get by him in a timely manner. And by the time he did, Lewis Hamilton was way too far ahead on on the track with uh, not very much or not enough time for anybody to to catch him and uh, and challenge him for the race win. And that's the kind of thing that uh, the Ferrari need as well. They need both drivers to uh, contribute uh, more often. And uh, well, <laughs> it was interesting because um, uh, Maurizio Rivabene was even saying in an interview uh, with Motorsport this week that uh, Ferrari needs to lose what he called the fear of winning. And he talked about a lot of things that uh, that Mercedes does and what they do and what goes well for them. 
and he uh, referred to uh, especially the, the the fact that uh, the, the Mercedes, when they score a, a one-two uh, race finish, that that's like an ordinary thing for them. Whereas uh, for Ferrari, that's more of like an exception and an extraordinary event. So he obviously sees a lot of uh, areas, like a lot of little things that they could do, and uh, recognizes where they fell short this year, and maybe even uh, in the in the past couple of years to really take uh, what they're doing. And uh, and try and emulate and match uh, what uh, what uh, what uh, Mercedes have done, and um, uh, Arriva Bene he was also had a, a good one. He said that uh, he hit out what he called uh, fake news about uh, Mattia Bonato uh, leaving Ferrari, which he, he called um, just uh, basically. Well, he did say it was uh, false rumors and fake news. You gotta love that, you know. Fake news it seems to get bandied and thrown about uh, all over the place now. But he said that um, the, the the rumors about uh, Mattia Bonato is the technical director at uh, at Ferrari. Um, yeah, it's just uh, there, there's nothing to them. It's uh, these stories are out there to create uh, instability in the team, and they've been in. They, they've had a, a really really tough second half to the year. Obviously, um, um, Sergio Marchionne, the, the the big boss uh, there, uh, fell ill and uh, and sadly passed away uh, in short order. And uh, the job that he did, I'm, I can't remember exactly now if he was replaced by two, but uh, at least two, if not uh, three people, to do all the, uh, the the jobs that he did, running Fiat and uh, and Ferrari as well. So, um, a man like that casts uh, a, a big shadow, and obviously, uh, intentionally or unintentionally, that has uh, boiled over, I think, to the uh, the, the Formula One team. And uh, you, you can see from there why uh, Maurizio Arriva Bene would say that these rumors involving Bonato would uh, be an attempt to create a, a instability in the team because they've, uh, I'm sure, can't wait to put uh, some of these things uh, behind them and uh, and just get to get away from Formula One for a little bit and then start building towards uh, next year. And um, well, basically, the, the the whole sort of the the, the core of this story was that uh, the Bonato has a strained relationship with the Riva Bene, and that uh, that if there's any interest from any other teams in the the Formula One paddock, that uh, that he might uh, might leave. And uh, Bonato, he's basically the guy that has been credited with the the improvements that uh, they've made over the um, the past couple of years since uh, James Allison, who did the, that job for Ferrari, who's now at uh, Mercedes, when he left uh, midway through uh, 2016. It was Bonato that uh, came in and um, he was uh, previously, uh, he was on the, focused on the power unit division, but when he came in and took into that role or take uh, taken over that role as the technical director, the Ferraris really made that uh, step forward. So obviously if he were to leave, that would be a huge, huge hit for Ferrari because they really have made some impressive gains over the past uh, year and a half. And um, clearly before 2017, they were still at arm's length with uh, Mercedes and we've seen that gap close uh, steadily over time. And of course, uh, this year, it's been as close as it ever has been. And if you look at uh, some of the races, I mean, Spa especially, which was um, typically, I think, you know, obviously that that big, big track and a, a power circuit well suited to uh, to Mercedes to see Sebastian Vettel go out there and dominate that race and keep Lewis Hamilton within about, what was that, about four or five seconds? He just uh, couldn't get close enough to even... <clears throat> Uh, really stick with Sebastian Vettel and really challenge him for that race. So uh, that would be, like I say, a huge loss for Ferrari if uh, Bonato were to leave. 
All right. Well, moving right along, there's uh, still one more item in the the, the news uh, uh, involving Ferrari and Arriva Bene. It, it's funny how the, the the news goes some weeks. Uh, it seemed like a, a couple of months ago. It seemed every time I was uh, just making my notes and following the news and trying to keep up on what's going on in Formula One, it always seemed for like a couple of weeks or about a month there, it seemed there, there was so much Red Bull news <laughs> or there's something involving Verstappen, something involving Ricardo or, or something coming from the, from the team itself and that whole saga well obviously the the honda engine and the renault engine uh that that was a big story earlier this year and that's the the whole uh decision making process uh, that they went through to uh obviously end up uh, switching from uh renault to uh to, to honda but since then uh, the, at least at the last couple of weeks it seems it's been more ferrari focused and um uh, the the last story involves uh arriva bene saying that uh, he believes it would be wrong for formula one to ditch uh, pirelli the the tire supplier for formula one uh there's uh there's a tender open for uh 2021 and uh there's two manufacturers tire manufacturers that is that are bidding on uh, the uh, the opportunity to supply tires to f- uh, formula one one is pirelli the other one is hankook and um well, Arriva Bene says that um, that uh, he believes it would be a mistake because they, they've really, even though they've had some of their some issues since they they uh, became the say the official supplier in 2011, that uh, they've learned a lot. They've, there's a lot of experience there, a lot of knowledge, and he thinks that uh, maybe anything moving away from that uh, might not be ideal. But basically, they've had um, both tire manufacturers, that is uh, Pirelli and Hankook, have had their bids evaluated and approved by the FIA by by Formula One and it's basically uh, basically coming down to uh, commercial things and, and marketing so uh, that's going to be kind of interesting to see how it plays out and uh, I don't believe and I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, we've never seen Hankook in uh, in Formula One before I mean, we've seen a lot of others like Firestone uh, Goodyear Pirelli of course uh, Michelin uh, we, we've seen a lot of different tires over the years so be interesting to to see a different tire manufacturer there so stay tuned now this one uh, i i love this story george russell the uh the young driver that's going to drive for williams next year he made a powerpoint presentation in his uh bid to become uh, a driver for formula one and i think this is a, a really cool story i mean talk about uh getting out there and marketing yourself i i did hear some stories that uh, you know he'd made some phone calls and was really proactive about uh you know getting that drive with them for for 2018 but or sorry 2019 but i really love the fact that uh, he went that extra mile and and really went out there and, and marketed himself and you know credit to the young guy i mean it's it's really paid off so i've done the same thing i've sent a powerpoint presentation to all the formula one teams not just as a driver but for whatever position they have and you know hey you know official podcast for any one of the teams just putting it out there but you know, sadly, and maybe not so surprisingly, no responses yet. So you're not going to be able to get rid of me uh, quite so uh, easily. But also sticking with uh, Williams, and uh, this is similar to the story about um, uh, Mattia Bonato at uh, Ferrari, and uh, this is over at Williams, though, and that is uh, Rob Smedley, who is the, the the vehicle performance chief, will leave Williams at the end of uh, 2018. He went there in 2014, and he'd been fr- at uh, Ferrari previously, 
and uh, he helped um, guide the team to two uh, consecutive third place championships in the constructors and well sadly the past couple of years they haven't been able to maintain that uh, that that form and they've uh, well <laughs> they've gone from a, a very very good uh, well best of the rest kind of team to one of the worst if not the worst team in formula 1 this year all in a very very short amount of time and uh, Smedley says he's he's not certain what he's going to do next uh, he said he enjoyed his time at uh, Ed Williams and uh, basically I think he just said he's going to spend more time with his family before he decides what uh, what his next uh, move is going to be okay well we can I guess we can uh, take a look now at, uh, at a couple more stories of course uh, all, all the uh, the news surrounding the Brazilian Grand Prix will come out start coming out the next day or so but uh, Danny Ricardo has said that he is committed in fact to finishing the season with Red Bull again uh, Ricardo did not finish a race at uh, Mexico last weekend uh, again the gremlins got into the car with what I believe was a clutch issue and it has just been a horrible horrible year for the Australian and uh, he said after that race that, you know, he was done with the car. Give it to Pierre Gasly, who's going to replace him next year when he goes off to uh, to, to Renault. He said, just give the car uh, to, to Gasly. I'm done with it. And I think that was maybe more a guy that was just uh, frustrated and said something in, in the heat of the moment. I don't think there's ever been any um, questions or doubts about uh, Danny Ricardo's desire or commitment to Formula One or to his team. So he is, in fact, uh, going to... Uh, to to drive the last two uh, races for Red Bull. And, of course, you wouldn't expect uh, anything else. And now talking about Red Bull's sister team, Toro Rosso, they will return to using a newer spec or, or the latest spec of the Honda engine at Brazil this weekend. They didn't use it the other week in Mexico just because the extremes of the high altitude and the challenges there just made it uh, not quite as worthwhile for them. So both uh, Brendan Hartley and uh, Pierre Gasly had run an older spec engine there, but they're going to, to use it again this weekend in uh, Brazil. So let's just uh, quickly mention and go over some of the facts at Interlagos. It is a 71-lap race, a circuit length of 4.309 kilometers, makes a total race distance of 305.909 kilometers. Max Verstappen holds a lap record at a 111.044, which he set last year. It's kind of a, a middle of the, the the road kind of track. It's uh, on a scale of one to five. It's three on tire stresses. It's a higher lateral and uh, downforce track, but it's a uh, middle of the road for for grip and asphalt uh, abrasion. And uh, the tires that are available this uh, weekend are medium soft and super soft tires. And uh, last year the race was won by Sebastian Vettel, who beat out uh, Valtteri Bottas and Kimi Räikkönen in third. Lewis Hamilton finished fourth and then the two Red Bulls rounded out the top six with uh, Verstappen in fifth and Danny Ricardo in sixth and that was that was the official final Brazilian Grand Prix for Felipe Massa who uh, finished seventh last year of course two years ago everybody expected that to, to be Felipe's final race final home Grand Prix and of course he uh, did not finish the race and it was really really wet if you guys uh, remember that and really slick out there and uh, he I, I believe he did he not crash I can't remember now if it was a mechanical failure if he just sort of touched one of the walls anyways uh, he got out of the car and walked back to the pits uh, while the safety car was there and it was a, a very very emotional uh, moment especially as all 
all the uh, uh, pit mechanics and uh, you know the engineers, everybody in the pit lane, uh, sort of uh, serenaded him with this uh, big uh, applause. Everybody lining up outside the garages and stuff like that it was quite emotional. But uh, that was uh, not his final race, as it turned out. But last year it was, and kind of seems like a long time ago now. That uh, <laughs> in 2016, and even uh, Felipe has almost been out of Formula One for for a year, and of course he hung around an extra year because, of course, at the end of 2016, Nico Rosberg made that shock announcement that uh, he had decided to uh, to to retire rather than come back and defend his title in 2017, and Botas left uh, Williams to go to uh, to Mercedes, and that left Williams in a bit of a bind, and all they had was uh, Lance Stroll, and they didn't want to have such a young driver on his own, and, well, that's what ended up this year. He had not just one young driver, but two, because he had Sergei Surratt come, uh, come in to uh, replace uh, Felipe Massa, and, well, just hasn't gone that great for them, has it? And finally, before we go, there was, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, Jimmy Johnson, the uh, the NASCAR driver, and Fernando Alonso, they made an announcement uh, earlier this week in a kind of a clever video that went out that they're going to trade cars, and um, Fernando's going to drive Jimmy Johnson's um, Hendrick Motorsport car, and uh, Johnson's going to drive uh, uh, Fernando's uh, uh, McLaren at uh, Bahrain in a couple of weeks, so that's uh, kind of cool. Kind of neat to to see those crossover things, but uh, the the video itself was <laughs> was pretty classic. So if you haven't seen that, uh, make sure that uh, you check it out. Of course, uh, in the World Championship, there's uh, nothing left to race for as far as the the drivers' championship. Of course, so what with Lewis winning hit the the World Championship in Mexico the other week, there is still uh, the constructors to play for, and that's the 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 big one, of course, for all the teams. Mercedes still on top currently with 585 points compared to 530 for Ferrari. Going to be a bit of a tough... a tough challenge for the Scuderia to try and win that one. You know, it could happen, but uh, it's uh, it's basically more in uh, Mercedes' favor at this point in time, and they're going to need some help to, to sneak uh, that away from them. But, you know, anything can and often does happen in Formula One, so we could see that, but it doesn't seem, at least from my point of view, very likely. But uh, like I say, two races to go. Anyways, my voice is literally about to expire, so I'm going to leave it there. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for downloading and uh, and listening to the show. Of course, uh, you can find the show anywhere where you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Google Play, everywhere where there are podcasts, we're there. And um, of course, if you want to get in touch, we'd love to hear from you guys. You'll send us a tweet at uh, Scudria Pod, uh, sorry, at Scudria F1 Pod, or send us an email at uh, Scudria F1 Pod at gmail.com. And that's it. That's a wrap on behalf of myself and my co host, Kevin Laramie, who hopefully will be back next week. Thank you very much. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, SportsPodcastingNetwork.com. Network.com. 
space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? Space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from?